Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Welcome into The Edge for this Friday evening. I'm feeling good. Well, I'm feeling good physically, but mentally I'm a little upset. And let me tell you why. You know, when we come into the show on Friday nights, your venerable host, myself, Aaron Kronick, usually is of an optimistic mindset heading into the weekend. Things, you know percolating as far as having some days off, really enjoying the time spent by myself sitting in my condo. However, today, I spent my afternoon watching the match three between Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. They were opposed by Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley deserves a ton of credit for his improved golf play. This guy has changed the swing. He looks like a decent golfer, and he was playing at a 25 handicap. That was news. That was not public until about an hour or two prior to the match beginning, and I was privy to some insider information about Barkley's handicap. And let me just say, I made a decent-sized wager on Peyton Manning and Steph Curry. And let me tell you this. Steph Curry claims he is a 2.2 hand, plus 2.2 handicap. That is a complete and utter farce. I played with golfers, scratch golfers this year, guys like Jeff O'Neill and Jared Bell, Greg Belsito, and Kyle Dronowski, unbelievable players. And let me tell you this, Steph Curry is not even close to their class. He failed me, he failed his partner Peyton Manning, and everybody who watched that match, very disappointed in Steph Curry. And that is my opening rant on, man, am I a gambling degenerate or what? It, it leads perfectly into our first guest here on The Edge, Someone who is not a degenerate. He is the exact opposite. He is an esteemed gentleman, unlike myself. His name is Rod Elliott. He is a lobbyist and expert on government relations. He is the senior vice president of global public affairs. And the man to call on for this important topic, the legalization of single event wagering here in our country. Rod, good evening. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, Aaron, and I'm I, I'm just glad I'm not a big Steph Curry fan after that rant. That was something. I else. hate. I hate Steph Curry now. As as <laughs> unbelievable as a three point shooter is, man, did he let me down today, and I am very disappointed in Steph. But we move on, and perhaps one day soon, Rod, we'll be able to wager on events like the match three. Man, I really need to stop betting on random golf events that have literally no meaning. In any case, the big news yesterday for those interested in the gambling world here in Canada. The Justice Minister, David Lametti, expected to introduce legislation to legalize single-event sports betting in Canada. What exactly does this mean, and what is the timeline for this to happen, Rod? Well, Aaron, uh, thanks for having me on. And, you know, we have a bill, and we now finally appear to have political will uh, to get this thing through. So you're absolutely correct. This has been a long time coming. Uh, Bill C-13, an act to amend the criminal code, single event sports betting was introduced yesterday by uh, the justice minister. I think um, this will probably pass within four to six months. Now there are two things that could potentially derail this, Aaron. uh, And I'm happy to get to those as we move forward. Um, But yeah, uh, this is the most optimistic I've been in the 10 years I've been tracking this bill as it progresses through parliament. 
Now, Rod, I know you were tracking the legalization of cannabis in our country the last five years or so. Clearly, that's already happened. We know in 2018 um, that the royal assent was given towards the legalization of cannabis. The rollout of that has not been smooth, I would say, certainly financially, but as far as how it's been executed with the stores and the public and the private sectors, how do you think gambling and single-event wagering would be laid out by the government? So uh, it's a great question, and I think the parallel uh, uh, between uh, legalization of cannabis and the sports betting here are similar but a little different, and I'll tell you why. Um, in, in the, 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 the similarity is that the federal go- government, they, the, all they have to do is change the criminal code. So just like when they legalize cannabis at the federal level, similarly, they're just going to change the criminal code to allow single-event sports betting. The implementation, though, of whether it was the legalization of cannabis, so getting cannabis retail up and running, or in this instance, uh, uh, the provinces adopting single sports betting. I think the provinces are much much more receptive to this than they were with uh, legal cannabis. Um, they already have infrastructure in place through their existing um, uh, gambling uh, operations, whether it's online uh, in Ontario through things like ProLine or whether it's in casinos. Um, and, uh, and so I think this is actually going to go a lot smoother. Now, as I said, I think there are two things that could potentially derail this. First, um, we do have a minority parliament up in Ottawa. A snap election could mean that this bill just dies on the order paper, meaning it was introduced, but it didn't go through the process. It was never proclaimed into law. And then the second area where this thing could get stalled out is in the Senate. So, um, you know, while, while the House of Commons might be able to pass this, there have been instances where uh, the Senate will take a, a second look, slow things down, generally rubber stamp it, but if they wanted to delay it and give them the minority situation, there could, that could occur. Having said that, why I'm so optimistic this time, Aaron, is we have all three parties basically agreeing to this. Um, so this started out years ago as a, an NDP bill. Uh, we've had a conservative uh, also introduce a private member's bill on this. And then finally, uh, the federal justice minister uh, has introduced it, and he has strong support from the local uh, liberals, uh, particularly in the Niagara region and also down around Windsor. Our guest is Rod Elliott, a lobbyist and expert on government relations. And Rod, what exactly are the financial implications of the legalization of single event wagering in Canada? I know in the United States and many states individually they've done this, and there has been a significant windfall as far as revenues go. What could this mean for Canadians and the Canadian government, which in these times with the coronavirus could definitely use an infusion of cash? That's a great point, Aaron. And the Canadian Gaming Association, who has really spearheaded the lobbying on this effort, um, has done a fantastic job. Uh, they, they estimate about $14 billion um, is lost annually, either to black market or foreign uh, people gambling through the offshore uh, gambling websites. So I don't think the government will collect all that $14 billion right away, displacing uh, the black market, getting people to convert into a legal channel. Uh, similarly, what happened in cannabis, there's still a lot of people buying their cannabis illegally. Um, you can't just uh, snap your finger and turn that around overnight. But even if they capture a small portion of that $14 billion that's lost annually, 
um, that, that, you know, that pays for a lot of healthcare. That pays for a lot of vaccines. Um, so I think, yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think that's part of the reason why there's such a will to move forward on this, to try and try and, uh, you know, collect some of that, that money, which is, uh, currently, uh, just, uh, not being collected by the, by the government. Uh, Rod, I don't know if the Canadian government, the provincial governments will look, uh, I'm sure they will look south of the border as to how it's been implemented there, but I know a company, Penn Gaming, which is uh, part of, Bar, I guess, owns Barstool or part of Barstool Sports, has been at the forefront and really aggressive and kind of really presenting gambling in a unique way and kind of making it for the common man, quote-unquote. Do you think that is an approach that, perhaps provinces could use or is this a unique ideal in the United States? Um, I certainly think that, that there is an appetite to capture, um, you know, what I would call, you know, that, that male demographic uh, between the age, the legal ages of 18 or 19, uh, depending what province you are into up into your early thirties. Um, I, you know, the other uh, interesting thing is we're seeing the convergence of gambling along with sports leagues who have now, for the most part, cut deals with sports gambling uh, websites or uh, operations. Uh, in those instances, whether it's the NHL, um, uh, MLB, NBA, they're trying to sell data. So they're trying to sell their data to the sports gambling companies. Um, and then we're also seeing that, that convergence of, of just the entertainment industry. Uh, so you're absolutely correct. New entrance. Uh, who would have thought that a, uh, a website like Barstool Sports would become a platform uh, for uh, the gaming companies to reach uh, really who it is, their target audience? So um, it's an exciting time, I think, and in, in, in not only uh, going to modernize the industry, I think it, it could actually uh, really revitalize it. Rod, do you think there will come a time where you'll go to a Leafs or a Raptors game and there will be a sports book in the arena where you can place wagers on single events within the game and at the stadium where you're watching said game? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Aaron, and I think it's probably too early to say. Uh, certainly um, on-site betting like that at a game has its advantages. Um, but I think also, you know, I think there's, you know, we are a very kind of cautious uh, a country. Um, and so I think what the government will want to do, at least initially, um, is, is try and make sure that it's, it's channeled through their existing networks, um, whether it's through corner stores to uh, constantly have the ear of the government, uh, whether it's uh, at casinos, on-site at casinos, or potentially online through an online app uh, run by, uh, for example, the OLG. Um, so certainly, uh, will we see advertising there? Yes. Will we see actual wagering on site? Uh, probably too early to say. Rod, well, we appreciate your insight this evening. So much, like so much intrigue. For the four to six month timeline that you mentioned is very exciting for people like me who like to place a wager and like to do it legally here in the province and support our government. So we appreciate your time tonight, and absolutely we will be checking in with you down the road for the latest on this developing story. Thanks, Rod. Have a great night, Aaron. You too, my man. That is Rod Elliott from Global Public Affairs, their senior vice president. Wow, so such an incredible story and very exciting for people like those listening to this program who enjoy wagering but don't necessarily want to have to venture onto a parlay where you need to hit a number of games um, in succession in order to cash the ticket to do it in a single event 
is the preferable and more profitable way to gamble. That goes without saying. On the subject of gambling, Johnny Avello is the DraftKings Sportsbook Director. He's going to join us next on The Edge. Back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050 in Toronto, streaming worldwide, tsn1050.ca. We are the day after Thanksgiving, of course, the Washington football team beating the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans beating the Detroit Lions yesterday. But perhaps the game that's stolen the most headlines is the game that did not occur, of course, between the Steelers and the Ravens. And to discuss that and so much more, it's our friend Johnny Avello, the Director of Race and Sports Operations for DraftKings. Good evening, Johnny. What's going on? Hey, Aaron. How are you? Uh, yeah, things are going well. Big day in sports again uh, today. A lot of college football, college basketball, and uh, a golf match with, Char- with yeah. Charles Barkley having a good day. A great day. A great day. And, Johnny, I was talking about the match earlier and how Steph Curry, total fraud, plus 2.2 handicap. Yeah, right. He is more like a uh, – just, just, he was just totally brutal today. And I think you could tell by my tone I may have had a wager on Curry and Peyton Manning. And I'm a little bit displeased. But let's look ahead to, to Tuesday night. And we know that's when the Steelers and the Ravens has been – postponed too. of course supposed to go yesterday uh, the night game pushed back due to covid concerns how are you guys handling this from a handicapping perspective because the line was under a touchdown with the expectation that lamar jackson was going to play for the ravens that is no longer the case yeah you know we uh we took the game down uh reopened it again now took it down and uh we'll re- we'll reopen it again it's such a huge game for the ravens uh, you know, when you when you looked at the first game, they really outplayed the Steelers in that loss, 28-24. Um, you know, and RG3 is now going to be the quarterback. And, you know, this team will still have a – they're going to have a lot of motivation to play in this football game. Uh, but so far, the – you know, about 80% of the money has been on the, on the Steelers' side. Um, now – that was before we had to take the game down. We'll have to open it back up, and you know things are going to change as we keep moving forward here. But uh, it'll be a big betting game, and um, you know, unfortunately, the Ravens won't be at full strength, but I'm sure it'll put in a good effort. I'm really curious to see how odds makers like yourself value Lamar Jackson. Of course, he's the reigning MVP. The guy had 36 touchdowns yesterday through or last year through the air and was a monster on the ground. But this year. His performance has not been anything special, and how many, how many points do you think Lamar Jackson is worth, especially considering that RG3 is the backup, and you imagine he'll be okay, maybe an average backup? How do you think Lamar Jackson's absence is going to affect this point spread? Well, you know, it, it, his, what he's worth depends on, you know, game, from game to game and who they're playing. Uh, in a game like this, He's probably worth around uh, three to four points. In another game where he might be playing a team, you know, like the Bears or somebody, could be it could be worth more in a game like that. But in a game like this, it's it's uh, it's a little less. I know it it sounds like uh, you know why is he worth less because uh, the the backup is capable here and the game is so big and and they they're going to do everything in their power to try to get this win. 
Johnny Avello from DraftKings is our guest here on The Edge. And on the subject of line movement, when Joe Burrow went down with that gruesome knee injury last week, that line, the Giants at the Bengals, shifted incredibly. And I was shocked to see it move that much. Before Burrow's injury, the Giants were plus two and a half. And now I'm seeing the Giants favored by as much as six points. Have you ever seen a line move move that significantly based on a quarterback? I thought that was a lot of points considering I understand who Joe Burrow's backup is, but that just seemed like a significant swing to me. Yeah, and I think this line will come back a little bit. I think this thing will probably come back to, uh, you know, we're six and a half, come back to six, maybe even a little bit less. You know, Brandon Allen's been named the starter for the Bengals, and, you know, there's not a whole lot there that Brandon Allen can give you. Um, Giants are looking for three straight, straight wins. Daniel Jones has looked better as of late, but um, I still the betters are the ones that push this one up as high as it's as it is so far. And I I don't know if I agree with it. I don't know if the Giants are worth that because they're um, defensively they're just okay. Offensively they're just okay. And yeah. uh, you know even though they're in the hunt for the NFC East. Uh, it seems like a lot of points against anybody, especially on the road. Yeah, the news today with the Bengals not good with their running back situation. Joe Mixon has already been ruled out, and Giovanni Bernard, their backup, was ruled out today as well. So you're going to see a lot of Samaji Pirine today if you're a Beng- or on Sunday if you're a Bengals fan. So enjoy that. I also wanted to get in uh, some conversation about the Chiefs and the Bucks, which is the marquee game on Sunday. I'm seeing the Chiefs at around a field goal, maybe minus three and a half. How are gamblers looking at this game, and where is the money coming in on two of the best teams in the NFL? Well, they're normally looking at a team like the Bucks uh, all year long, regardless if they're home or away, because Tom Brady has drawn a lot of money this year. As soon as he was announced he was going to the Bucks, uh, you know, we took tons of money on the him to win the Super Bowl, them to win the AFC, uh, and them to win the uh, you know their division, but. Uh, it's just it hasn't panned out that well so far. And I don't know if you notice this, Aaron, but Tom Brady has a rough time throwing the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Um, he's okay for 10-yard plays and 12-yard plays, but, you know, having a rough time at those 20-yard plays. And he's got a guy like Antonio Brown who's not going to be a, a threat at 10 yards. It's, you know, he's a threat at down the field. So I think the betters have – Kind of backed off uh, the Bucks a little bit, you know. They they seem to play a good game every other game, and that are going against the, the best in it that the AFC has to offer. Um, this game is right around three and a half right now. I don't know what they're going to do with as do with this game as we get closer to game time. But the Chiefs seem to be uh, the team of choice for the DraftKings Network every single week. Johnny, let's move to boxing, and there's a match tomorrow night that I'm not sure if I should be excited for or I should dread. It's Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., and no, this is not the year 1995. This is 2020. They are um, facing off in an eight-round exhibition match in L.A. Where is the money coming in on that, and how do you handicap a match between two, I'll call them aging to be nice, uh, veteran boxers? Uh, this was a tough line to make. It really was. And I, you know, I've been making boxing lines for a really long time. Uh, but you know, Mike Tyson's 54, Roy Jones is 51. Uh, you know, two boxers in their heyday, uh, were some of the best. 
Tyson, the kind of guy I'll knock you out with one punch, and Jones, the, the elusive fighter, tough to hit, unorthodox style. Um, so the money, you asked me where the money's come in. So far, it's been mostly Tyson. Uh, he's up to a little over a $2 favorite. I'm going to think some of the underdog money's going to come back uh, on Jones as we get closer to the fight, at the start of the fight. But, uh, you know, it's an eight-round fight. It's two rounds. Uh, I don't think either fighter's going to try to knock the other guy's head off. I think they'll try to score points with some punches. Uh, and so it's it's a tough uh, line to make. It was, it's probably a tough one to handicap also. So, uh, But there'll be money on it. I, that's for sure. Uh, you know, we've, we've had candy eating contests, Halloween candy eating <laughs> contests that we booked quite a bit of money on. So I wouldn't expect this one to be uh, any less of an event. And, uh, and with these two guys, these two names, I expect to see quite a bit of money bet. Well, Johnny, I spent my afternoon watching Charles Barkley play golf. So I can watch Mike Tyson box tomorrow night. I think it's pretty much the same sure. thing. Thank, thank you very much for taking the time tonight. Always love having you as part of our show. And enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. All right. That is Johnny Avello, the DraftKings Sportsbook Director. Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson. And I don't know what it is with our society these days, but I feel like we love seeing guys who are well past their prime take part in events that are either foreign to them, like the Match 3, or partake in events that aren't foreign to them, but they are just not what they once were. That's, that is clearly the case when it comes to Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. So we have Don Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge, joining us next. And Survivor Pools... I'm in a big one down to 46 teams, and I need Dom's advice. We need to talk it out and figure out what we're going to do on Sunday because, man, if you're in a survivor pool, you are in a bind, and we're going to get to the bottom of it with Dom Padula next on The Edge. All right, it's The Edge for this Friday evening here on TSN 1050. And as he does every single Friday night, it's Dom Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge, who will help us with our survivor pools, our bets for Week 12 in the NFL, and our mutual love for Al's brother. Good evening, Dom. What's up? <laughs> yeah, we're still doing this, and it's Week 12, so we're still alive. That's a good thing for for us in survivor pools. Hopefully... Uh, the people that have listened to us are still alive as well. Before we get to Survivor Pools, Al's brother, in, in many ways, is a survivor on his own because he had <laughs> lost 10 in a row, picks against the spread, which is remarkable, and, and he went 1-1 one one yesterday on Thanksgiving, which he seems to be just absolutely thrilled by. I mean, Al's brother, you might want to pump the brakes on ex how excited you are. <laughs> are you still tailing all of Al's brother's picks going forward, Dom? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wait and see this week. You know, you, yeah, so, you sound like Doug Peterson when asked about Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, that's exactly how uh, Doug Peterson sounded. But I, I, I was on the Texans yesterday. Uh, you know, I I liked Washington. I know that uh, you know, in fairness to Al's brother, he sort of left that up to uh, a Twitter poll before making a decision. I, I know that he was. Uh, on Washington as well earlier in the day. So to be fair, to be fair, uh, almost a 2-0 and day. Pretty well could have been. <laughs> Pretty well could have been. Al's brother, do you want to chime in here? Yeah, if I wasn't so gutless and, and ended up just going with my gut, taking uh, Washington, then I would have been a 2-0 day, and it would have been a great day for, for the Al's brother fan base. But unfortunately, I had to go with the Twitter poll, and we lost out. The, the Cowboys got absolutely trounced yesterday. 
do you have a name for your fan base? Because like Mark Masters has Masters Nation. You know, you think about some of the other fan bases in sports media. I mean, I can't think of a single other one. But you need to come up with a name for the Al's brother followers out there. I saw on the Overdrive account, Al's brother. There's a an account on Twitter that's dedicated to following your picks. Now, is that correct? I I did not hear that. Is that actually a thing? <laughs> yeah, it is. What is it called? The it fading is. fading Al's brother. Is uh, that something a- like that? Something like that. It's a beautiful thing, man. I, I just can't get enough of your appearances on Overdrive, and I know our audience feels the same way. All right, so Dom, let's start with Survivor Week 12. What are you thinking? Like, I'm looking at the Browns, and I'm looking at the Giants right now. What do you make of those two, and is there anyone else I should be entertaining? Yeah, so here's my problem with the Browns, because I've seen you know a few people have mentioned Cleveland, and, and it's the same issue I had last week when on Sunday morning, uh, I decided at about 11.55 to switch one of my picks away from the Vikings against the Cowboys uh, and go all in on the Chargers. And it's the whole Kirk Cousins, you know, do can I trust this quarterback in this spot uh, in a potential letdown game? And everybody knows how good Cleveland's been. But here's a stat that caught my eye, and it's made me a little bit concerned about backing Baker Mayfield. He's 1-5 in five against the spread in his career as a road favorite, 2-4 and four straight up. So six times in Baker Mayfield's career, he's been a favorite on the road, and he's lost four of them. Now, I get it. The Jags are a bad team. Awful uh, team. But, but when I look at what Baker Mayfield's done throughout his career, I know he's been a little bit better this year. And, hey, credit to that coaching staff there and a great run game and a, a pretty decent defense. Um, but, again, looking at the schedule, being able to trust Cleveland in a road game, this, to me, uh, it looks like a spot that I'd rather stay away from if I have other options on the board. And one of the mention, uh, options that you mentioned was the Giants. I think that the Giants are in a good spot here. I think that I'll, I'll probably be backing the Giants with at least one of my uh, picks as well this week. They're a, they're a three-win team, uh, but it's worth pointing out that six of their seven losses were by a single score, and that includes a one-point loss to the Eagles and a two-point loss to the Buccaneers. So, I mean, if those if they were able to finish either of those games, all of a sudden their record looks a lot better than it does on paper. And again, this isn't so much, you know, one of the stories that we've talked about throughout the year when it comes to survivor polls is it, it is about picking a winner, uh, picking a good team. But at the same time, there's there's lots of uh, opportunities to fade bad teams. And it looks like the Bengals are going to be one of those teams without Joe Burrow, um, which makes the Giants uh, entertaining option this week. One other team that is on my radar that I'm taking a long look at is uh, the Miami Dolphins as well. I don't know if you have the Dolphins still available, but that's a good team coming off a tough loss, and they already have a 24 nothing win over the Jets uh, on their resume this season. Um, again, we're talking about fading bad teams. It worked out for for all of us that took the Chargers last week when they played the Jets, and I might go right back to the well this week with the Miami Dolphins against the Jets. Yeah, and I think you can look at the Saints, who are favored by six at Denver. Denver's coming off a pretty impressive win, and I'm always scared of what goes on in Denver. The altitude, I think Denver's defense has been pretty impressive recently. I'm going to tell you I'm leading Browns, and let me explain why. I know Miles Garrett won't be playing, Denzel Ward won't be playing, and one of their top linebackers, who names escapes me, also likely out. But I think that's all irrelevant. I'm just looking at Jacksonville. Their secondary is ravaged to an unprecedented degree. They have undrafted free agents basically playing at every position. I think Mayfield's going to have a big game. 
And I'm also looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, Mike Glennon. Mike yeah. Glennon was behind Jake Luton for this season. That says a lot to me because Jake Luton, atrocious quarterback. Mike Glennon's been giving a number of chances throughout his time in the NFL. He's awful. The only redeeming quality Mike Lennon has is that he's a giant. He's six foot seven. But aside from that, I think he's going to make a lot of bad decisions. And I'm liking the Browns. I like the G-Men. I think the Saints are a sneaky pick as well with Taysom Hill, who really impressed in his first start uh, in the National Football League. And I don't know. It, it's a tough week, but I think I think you can look at those three, and I think you're probably going to be okay with all of them. Uh, Dom, on Thanksgiving yesterday, we saw uh, what, what happened with the Dallas Cowboys and Antonio Gibson running all over them, Washington picking up a big win and taking over the lead in the NFC East. Let me ask you, if you were to place a wager on one team to win that division, who would it be and why? Yeah, you know, it's funny that uh, going into the season, I was pretty high on the Eagles and they've done nothing but disappoint. But when I look at the rest of the division right now, um, I'm, I'm still leaning towards the Eagles, and the reason is pretty simple. It's the same thing that we saw last season. Um, you know, if the Eagles head into uh, when the Eagles were heading into Week 14 last season, they were a sub 500 team, and all they had to do was run the table against the NFC East opponents that were on their schedule to make the playoffs at nine and seven. They're already guaranteed to be a sub 500 team entering Week 14 this year because. There are three games uh, below 500 right now. Even if they beat Seattle and Green Bay, which seems unlikely right now, they're still going to be below 500 going into those final couple of weeks. Problem for Philadelphia is they haven't looked good, and their schedule is tougher this season. They got the Saints in Week 14 and the Cardinals in Week 15, but they still get Dallas, and they still get one more game against another divisional opponent um, in Washington, and that could open the door and be enough for them to get in if they could finish their season on a high note. Um, The Giants right now have an excellent opportunity to move into first place this week against the Bengals if they could get a win, but they still have the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, and the Ravens left on their schedule in Washington. They're in first place right now, but they have Pittsburgh, they have Seattle, and they have San Francisco and Carolina, so Tough, tough matchups for teams like the Giants in Washington, who I wouldn't be confident in anyways. Um, and that leaves the door open for the Eagles if they could somehow find a way to finally get things together. And, look, I, I don't know if there's just one person to blame for the Eagles' struggles this season. If there was, it'd be Carson Wentz. But I don't think it's all on Carson Wentz. I think they've dealt with a lot of injuries. They've struggled to adjust. The offense was looked out of sync even when Carson Wentz has played decent. Um, if they could figure out a way like they did last season to finish off the, the year on a high note, it might be enough to sweep into the playoffs in the NFC East. Well, maybe the Bears could just cut Nick Foles and he could go back to being the starting quarterback of the Eagles because Foles is out and Trubisky's in. Maybe we'll get to Sunday night a little bit later. I want to finish with the big news in the NFL today, which is the Steelers and the Ravens. The game has finally been set for Tuesday evening. I have not seen a point spread release, but prior to it being taken off the board for obvious reasons, Lamar Jackson will not play as he has tested positive for coronavirus. A number of players on the Ravens also testing positive. The whole practice schedule for that team has been thrown completely off kilter. How would you handicap this game, and what do you think when it reopens the line will be? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was up near double digits. And it just depends on how they approach uh, no Lamar Jackson being in the lineup for Baltimore. You know, I, I think in 
when they when these teams met the first time, I think Baltimore actually played Pittsburgh pretty well. They were able to run the football. They they did a decent job for the most part of slowing down Ben Roethlisberger, but the turnovers absolutely killed them. Now you look at switching from Lamar Jackson to Robert Griffin III. You know, obviously, I'm not going to trust RG3 in that spot, and Pittsburgh's going to be motivated to make a statement, especially. I mean, they're pissed off right now, and they have every right to be. This is the third or fourth time this season that they've had to have their schedule changed because of COVID outbreaks for rival teams. And they took care of business against the Titans when they played them. They beat Baltimore the following week. Um, this team has a chance to do something special this year. You know, I'm not here to jinx them, but uh, they're tight and all right now. they got a very manageable schedule the rest of the way, um, and they've looked really good on both sides of the ball this season. So as long as they stay healthy, I think Pittsburgh has a chance to do something special. I'll be interested to see what the line movement is with the adjustment from Lamar Jackson to RG3. Um, it would have to be pretty substantial, though, for me to even consider backing the Ravens in the spot, because I think Pittsburgh is ready to make a statement at home in this game. Dom, thank yeah, Dom. Thank you for doing this. As always, got a text from a listener who suggested the name Al's Pals for the Al's Brothers <laughs> fan club. I like it. It's not bad. And you know, I know you're not Al Al's brother, but you are his brother, so it's close enough. We'll take it under consideration. Okay, there you go. That's Al's brother, people. Congratulations. We'll, we'll actually have uh, Al's brother back on the program in just a minute uh, for the pound the table picks of the week. Dom, thank you for doing this, my man. We look forward to speaking to you again next week. All right, thanks a lot, guys. I'm looking forward to the picks. Talk to you soon. All right, thank you very much. That is Don Padua, the executive producer of TSN Edge. Let's not delay. It's time to bring out the fade. Al's brother, he makes his picks on the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. The Grappler joins us as well. That's next on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik, giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Hammering home conviction. Stop the hammering. It's the Pound the Table Picks of the Week. Where's the hammer? On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Wrapping things up on the Edge for this Friday night. Yes, it is Aaron Karolnik. And as I do, as I'm fortunate enough to have every Friday evening be joined by two of the most esteemed gentlemen at TSN 1050. It is Keith Bauer, a.k.a. The Grappler. And my God, I can't believe I just used the word esteemed with reference to Al's brother, but they're both here. Let's start with you, Grass. What's going on, my man? How are you? Uh, I'm struggling, man. After a uh, after a strong start to the year, I am now, I believe, <laughs> sitting at 1-7 in seven my last oh, four weeks. So... Well. Clearly, whatever I've been doing the last few weeks isn't working. Uh, I have a bit of a new strategy here, which is completely meaningless, but uh, I am excited to see what happens this weekend. Well, Very excited. Grappler, I think Al's brother is rubbing off on you, and that sounds a little dirty, but <laughs> anyone who associates with Al's brother just instantly falls into this pit of bad luck. Like I'm looking at him on a Zoom chat. I just got an email from my banker. My All my money was liquidated. I don't know what happened, but I blame you, Al's brother. I think I've turned a corner though. We got one right yesterday. Finally, <laughs> should have been two. That's how, that's how bad it is. You you get yeah. one right and it's turning a corner. I know. Al's brother, run us through. Race. Run us through what it's like watching a football game with you right now. When you have like your credi- credibility, I use it very 
very loosely the word credibility when it comes to you, Al's brother. But how nervous are you? How excited are you when like Will Fuller scores that long touchdown yesterday? Were you going insane? Uh, yeah, when that happens, I go insane. But then on the other hand, when I see a fumble six taken to the house in the fourth quarter by the Cowboys, I sit there and I am just a wreck. I get so flustered and frustrated. I already have anxiety issues watching a football game, knowing yeah. that my credibility is on the Gone. line each and every Monday and Thursday night is just so Oh, it's so tough to do. So tough. Sure. And to be fair, I, I mean, you, you, you talk about credibility. You know, you're associated <laughs> with a show called Overdrive where we have no credibility. So, I mean, I, I mean, give me those wrong picks. It, it might just be the right fit. Like, yeah, there might be something to that. Yeah. So, maybe. Grappler, I, I saw today, Grappler, that there was a Twitter account that's now tracking Al's brother's gambling picks. Is that correct? Uh, apparently, yeah. I, I saw, I guess, at some point before the show this afternoon that uh, someone uh, with the account Al's Brothers Betting Tracker or something. Uh, yeah, I, I could probably so scroll good. through and find it here. But yeah, I, I guess that actually exists now. So uh, yeah, that's that's how far we've come. Uh, oh, you know, it, it includes such a, such other great Twitter accounts for Overdrive, like Al's Brothers Gimp, um, you know, the the, pe- the people for Hazy B. Mm-hmm. Hazy's lawnmower. There's uh, yeah a lot of a lot of quality overdrive Twitter accounts out there. Love them all. All right. Well, Al's brother, you went one and one yesterday. It's a complete and utter miracle. However, it's on you. You have two picks to pound the table on on this Friday evening. Who are you selecting? Yeah, I'm pounding the table for the first game. I'm going with the Colts. They manhandled the Titans two weeks ago in Tennessee, beating them by 17 points. I think a three-point spread seems like a pretty good bet at home for them. Yeah, they'll be without DeForest Buckner. That's a big loss. But this is a deep team, and Big Grove, Big Grover Stewart has quietly enjoyed a breakout season for the Colts. He should be able to pick up the slack here collectively. They're a top-three defense in the NFL, and traditionally have done a pretty good job of shutting down Derrick Henry. Offensively, the Colts had over 400 yards of offense in their first meeting and should be able to kind of pick up right where they left off and a win here would go a long way to winning the division for Indy so I'm pounding the table for the Colts at home minus three and okay then my, hold on yeah. before you get to the second one did you say Big Grover Stewart oh Big Grove that's my man Big <laughs> Nose Tackle who is big, that oh okay he's the Nose Tackle Big Grover all right Big Grove okay. that's his name he uh that sounds, what, that sounds like a Colts fan yeah <laughs> I might be it might be. There's Big no Grover Stewart. That sounds like a pick to fade. Who is your second pick? All right, my second pick here, and I don't think you'll be fading this one, AK, but uh, I'm taking the Cardinals over the Patriots. Oh, no. I'm baffled by the line here. The Cardinals have been in Super Bowl conversations this year, while the Patriots are closer to tanking for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the game's in Foxborough, which has a slight advantage for them, but the cards are just flat-out better. Like, I don't need to make all these fancy picks and fancy analysis. I think they're just flat-out a better team. A one-and-a-half point spread is basically a pick to me, and this is not a pick game. Uh, take the cards one-and-a-half, and that's as big as a lock as I think we're going to get this week. Oh, no, I completely agree with you, Al's brother. This is a huge problem. All right, Graps, go ahead. <laughs> All right, let's get after this. Uh, so, yeah, for game one, uh, I will once again, I think I did this earlier in the year, but I will be pounding the table on the Giants at minus six over the Bengals. Uh, not a lot to this one. I mean, the Bengals are just terrible. They don't have a quarterback. You know, it's unfortunate to see what happened with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow last week, but 
He's done for the year. Uh, Giants are coming off a bye. That's obviously huge. I believe they've covered the spread, I want to say, in six of the last seven games. I may have heard that from Sergeant Spread earlier it's today. Correct. I'm being honest with you. <laughs> uh, and the NFC East is still, unfortunately, up for grabs. The Giants are playing for something at 3-7, and seven, which is mind-blowing to me. But the Bengals are playing for absolutely nothing right now, except for, I think, a top-five draft pick. Uh, as I mentioned, no quarterback. I have no clue who Brandon Allen is. Joe Mixon is out. Even Gio Bernard may not suit up. He's got. He's out. He is out. Uh, he is out for. Is, is, has uh, he been ruled out? Okay. Yep. He's done. There you go. Definitely. And defensively, they've just been brutal all year. That's and you know that's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, hoping to improve on my uh, one and seven four week stretch. So I think picking against the Bengals is something I might just do the rest of the year. Um, and yeah, so that's game one. Game number two, I am fading Al's brother's advice. Um, Smart. You know, it's, it's something quite a few people were doing over the last several weeks. I'm going to continue that trend, and I am taking the Titans at plus three over the Colts. Uh, this one was a little bit more difficult, but, I mean, the Titans got a big win coming you know, over the Ravens last week. Got to be feeling good about themselves. Derrick Henry continues to operate as one of the best running backs in football, leads the league with a slim 10-yard lead over uh, Dalvin Cook in rushing yards. Uh, Henry's run for over 100 yards in his past seven road games, something I do expect to continue this week, but that's only because of how banged up the Colts are. Uh, obviously, on the defensive end, no DeForest Buckner, no Danico Autry, and you know a few more guys that uh, unfortunately will not be suiting up this week. Um, I know the Colts have surprised a ton of teams this year, including the Packers last week, but I just don't see it happening for them on Sunday. Uh, as Mikey mentioned, or sorry, as Al's brother mentioned, yeah, a lot at Mike? stake in this one. You know, most notably the uh, lead for the AFC South with both teams sitting at seven and three. Uh, I think the experience is going to be a big help for the Titans this week. They're a little more used to playing in big games. Um, I still think the Colts are about a year away from being a true Super Bowl contender. So, uh, yeah, I'm rolling with the Titans at plus three. Shots shots fired at Al's brother's favorite squad, the Colts. He is not liking that. All right, so let me get my two picks out of the way because these are locks, stone-cold locks. Take them to the bank. Oh, I mean, I'm taking Arizona minus one and a half as well, and I know Al's brother selected it, but this line never made any sense. I actually bet it last week when it was posted Arizona minus two and a half because I figured by the time the game rolled around, it would be like Arizona minus seven. This doesn't make sense, and I think the only argument you can make in favor of New England is bad weather and how New England could just like run the ball a lot and slow the game down. It looks like a beautiful day. We also give you weather forecasts here on the edge. A beautiful day in Boston on Sunday. I think Kyler Murray and Arizona win by double digits at New England. I don't even think this game is close, and I think you'll be able to put the nail in the Patriots' coffin for the 2020 season. Also, I love Cleveland, minus 6.5 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We mentioned Mike Glennon earlier. He's six foot seven. his only redeeming quality. He's a brutal quarterback. This is probably his last NFL start because I think Cleveland, in spite of their banged-up defense between injuries and coronavirus, they're still going to lay a beat down on Mike Glennon and DJ Chark is out for the Jags and their entire secondary is injured. It's a total joke. What do you got, Al's brother? Well, I see that the line has moved to seven for the mm-hmm. Browns. Does that matter for you? Or are you still going? Al's brother, that is those are semantics. I am looking at my book right now. It's still six and a half. If you interrupt me again, you are going to catch a beating. <laughs> all right, um, all right. So yeah, that's why I'm on Cleveland minus six and a half. And Arizona, minus one and a half. Al's brother, make sure you fade these picks if you want to pay down your mortgage. Indy, minus three. And Arizona, minus one and a half. And the grappler on the Giants, minus six. His squad and the Tennessee Titans, plus three. Fellas, thank you very much for doing this every weekend, every Friday. Enjoy your weekends. I don't know if you guys have any exciting plans. I know you don't, Al's brother, but the graps? <laughs> I got, I got nothing, man. Uh, I, my, my weekend pretty much started yesterday at about 12.30 once, uh, once the Lions-Texans game started. So I'm going to be continuing that trend. 
Fellas, thank you very much. As always, thank you to all of our listeners, Johnny Avello, Rod Elliott, and Don Padula, who joined the program. We'll be back on Tuesday night, perhaps a pregame show for Steelers and Ravens. We'll talk to you then.